Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Milestone Episode 75 of the Follow You Anywhere podcast, and we're excited to be back with some new episodes for a new year, getting back into the normal routine. As we shared last week, we're going to be going uh, dropping a new episode every other week. Uh, but today, for this Milestone episode, we've got a special guest. Cam is not with us because he's celebrating a milestone birthday, turning 30 years old. Cam's an old man now. Happy birthday, Cam. Uh, We're going to miss you this morning, but uh, we're excited to have Brayden Holland with us. Brayden is our creative arts director here at Emmanuel Baptist Church, and I invited Brayden to join us on the podcast to share his journey about how he followed God, and it led him into a brand new position, uh, helping us create a new culture here at Emmanuel, and uh, just an exciting story of God's faithfulness to, to lead and guide us and direct us, and so, Braden, welcome to the podcast. Hey, hey, so excited to be here. Yeah. Well, man, your uh, your journey started long before Emmanuel, and uh, I want to kind of go back to uh, where it all began. Of course, your journey began a lot sooner than uh, I, I remember it, uh, but uh, I've been a part of it for uh, quite a while before Emmanuel. And so uh, take us back to where you began to sense that God might be calling you into ministry. Uh, what did that look like? Where were you? And, and how did uh, God speak to you um, through that uh, th- through that uh, time in your life? Yeah, so yeah, we'll take it back pretty far, actually, all the way back to uh, around when I was in eighth grade, actually, is when we moved to Arkansas. So my family's been military, and we've been moving around. And uh, being military, we didn't always have churches to go to when we moved to new places. So it wasn't the typical story of churchgoers who've grown up in the same church or even uh, a couple churches. We have seen all kinds of stuff, even overseas churches, which didn't always have youth groups, didn't always have children's ministry and all the different things that come with, you know, a a thriving church in our area. Um, But when we did move to Arkansas in my eighth grade year, uh, we started going to Mountain Springs Baptist Church. And that was one of my first experiences of, of of a real church that I remember. I know my family went to uh, a couple before we started moving around, but that was one of my first rock solid memories. He said a real church, yep, <laughs> a, a real church. It was it was a real interesting church, but we'll get to that. So go ahead. <laughs> it was indeed, yeah. Um, but I mean, that was one of my first experiences, so I didn't have a whole lot to compare it to. Uh, but that was, and you were the pastor of it, so that was. It was a real church. <laughs> yep. So we we moved there and uh, just started getting involved. It was a small church for sure, so there was a lot of opportunity to get involved and get serving. Um, in my eighth grade year all the way up to my senior year, I was steadily involved in the worship band. I mean, I did some stuff with serving on uh, the the tech team and everything going on there. And we also had children's ministry I was involved in. So all of that was kind of getting my feet wet. I didn't really know what was going on. I was, I was definitely there because of my family. Um, and and that's kind of typical for youth, uh, at at eighth grade. Um, but it kind of shifted when I realized I was really interested in, 
the music and the production and and the creative side of what goes into making a church um, appealing. And I know that that kind of sounds weird for some people, but there's two parts to reaching people. And the one part is the biggest part, which is the message and making sure it has a biblical foundation. Uh, there's actually many parts, but this, but the two biggest ones, in my opinion, are are having that biblical foundation and then making sure you are staying up with the culture. Yeah, yeah, because you're trying to reach a people, and you reach people in different ways, and you kind of talked about that in terms of your experience of churches overseas and then experiencing a, and you call it a real church, and I know what you're talking about, but it's just uh, the church as we know it in the United States, in our culture, and, and that's different. Um, but uh, what makes a church a church is that it's the people of God that have surrendered to Jesus as Lord and Savior, and they're preaching and teaching the gospel of Christ. And you can do that in a lot of different ways. And it's so funny that, uh, you know, you go overseas and it's like normal to be different. But then when you come back to the United States, like anytime you try to change anything, it's like, whoa, wait a second. That's not the way that, that we're supposed to do it because this is a they don't say it like this, but this is your language, a real church, you yeah. know, a real church. We don't do it like that because that's a real church. And uh, so when you were in the eighth grade, what year was that? Oh, boy, that was so going to have to make you do math on the spot. Yeah, I graduated in 2018. Okay. So that would have been 2014. Yeah. So 2014. So I talk about, you know, Mountain Springs being an interesting church. By that point, we were starting to. Um, you know, make some some changes and, and make some transitions that were kind of putting us on a, a path of being able to effectively engage the community. But when we got there in 2010, uh, I mean, you you're talking about your experience when you got there in 2014, and it was still needed a lot of work is any church that goes through a process of revitalization does. And that's a big word. It just means uh, we go through a process of making some very intentional changes to help the church become more effective in reaching its community and, and being a part of the community and looking like the community. Uh, and, and we had already started that process. It started in 2010. When we got there, it did not look like the community. Uh, when I say it was old school, I'm talking old school. Like oh we got there and it was KJV only. It was you got to wear a suit and tie every Sunday. And the only instruments we got are a piano and an organ. And we're singing out of the hymn book. Don't be throwing none of that stuff on the screen. We're singing out of the book because that's the book they used back in the New Testament church. <laughs> that's not true but that was the mindset and so we came in and they they said to me as a 24 year old young pastor we want to reach our community and i said to them well you ain't gonna do it like this yeah. so we're gonna have to make some changes yep. and, and that uh, kind of started the process of shifting the culture of the church and, and shaping the ministries of the church and so when you came in 2014, yeah, there, there were already some substantial changes that have been made, but 
still a lot of work that needed to be done. I, I was thinking about how to describe the the worship atmosphere, and you know, sometimes weird thoughts come to my mind. Uh, and I was thinking about it this morning because I knew what we were talking about. And and the best way I could describe it is, at times, it felt like the sound of a dying cat at your dog's funeral. Man. Now, I don't <laughs> know what that sounds like, but that was just what came to my mind. I've never heard a cat die, nor have I been to a dog's funeral. But if you put the two together, I'm pretty sure that's kind of how it came across. Yep. And so it was hard to really reach a community that wanted to be a part of an exciting worship service when it felt like you were at a funeral every time you you came. And so <laughs> not just a funeral, a dying cat. A dying cat. No, well, no, a dog's funeral. A, a dying funeral. cat singing at a dog's funeral. I don't know why okay. that comes to my mind. I don't know why the stuff that comes to my mind comes to my mind, but that's the best way I can describe it. Uh, another way to describe it is it was rough, and yeah, it, it didn't rough. have a lot of energy. And so you come in. We're in the process of uh, changing that culture, making it more exciting, more energetic. And so talk to us about what you saw when you came in. We were already kind of – uh, in the middle of that process, but I know it was not only you, but your your whole family really came in and helped us uh, take the worship to another level, and and that's really what God used to to begin this process of ultimately calling you to where you are today. Yeah, so I was I was fourteen. Did a little bit more math there. I was fourteen, <laughs> and uh, we actually were visiting a couple of churches around that area. <clears throat> Um, that was our first time kind of visiting churches back in the U.S., as I remember it. And um, the message that you preached, the first message that we heard was get in there and be the salt. That was, I don't remember the title of it, but that, that was the main takeaway was get in there and be the salt. If you have the ability uh, to be the salt and and spice it up a little bit, you used a lot of illustrations on spicing it up. If you are the salt and you can be that, then you are called to be that, even if it's not always fun and it's not always, and that just, we were sitting in there and that just hit. As a 14-year-old, that hit right there. I think I might have used the phrase, stop being so salty and go be salty instead. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> yeah, so we went and talked as a family. They were, you know, asking everybody what what we thought of the church and as a my biggest takeaway was we need to get in there and we need to we need to help out. We need to be the salt a little bit because our family's dynamic. Our family's seven people at that time and six people because my brother had moved out. But so we had a lot of people and a lot of dynamic to bring in it. And we were a younger family, which there weren't there were a couple in the church, but not a whole lot of. So for some reason, I I roped our family into it and we we jumped in and we started doing ministry at uh, Mountain Springs. We need to season this worship service up a little bit. <laughs> I think we can help with that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was 2014. And uh, how long did you do that? And, and what was your role? I know you talk about your, your family as a whole and your mom and dad involved in, uh, you know, your dad serving not only as uh, a deacon and youth pastor, but involved in the uh, worship from a singing standpoint, your mom singing as well and helping out with the kids. What about you and your brother? Talk about you and your brother. Yeah, so me and my older brother, my next brother up, he um, 
plays guitar and he sings, and then I play uh, piano and drums. So we we jumped in. He jumped in before I did, I believe, and started playing guitar a little bit and singing some. And then um, around one of our Christmas services, that's when I was asked to play the drums. And at that point, I was only playing in in my junior high band, so I didn't really have any worship experience. So that also kind of made it fun. Uh, I use that word lightly in a way because I, it was a rough drumming experience. I know it was, but for for taking the next step for our church, I know it added to the program and it, and it made it a lot you know, more energetic. And how old did you say you were at that point? That's, I mean, that was right off the bat. I think I was 14. 14. Yep. Who in their right mind would ask a 14-year-old to drum for their Christmas service? Who did that? That was you. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was me. Yeah, yep, that was you. I even said, I don't know if I can do that. You said, oh, come on, you can do it. Uh, I think my words were, uh, it's going to be a lot better than what we got right now. Actually, I think they were. Which is, which is nothing. We don't have any drums. Yep, we don't have exactly. any percussion. Uh, that was it. So we got involved in uh, the worship ministry Cody, who's my, the brother I'm talking about, he uh, started playing, I be, believe, even became the worship leader for a time there, and we were trying to revamp and trying to uh, get the culture up a little bit with our worship, so there was that season. Yeah, so uh, I, I want to circle back around, and then we'll get to kind of the transition that took place in 2018, 2019, and how you ultimately landed here in Florida, how I came to Florida, and, and how God orchestrated all of those pieces. But, you know, going back, I think a couple of things that stand out in your journey, and, and the first one, and probably the most obvious, is for any young listeners, it's never too early to surrender to the call of God in your life. And you might not fully understand what that looks like and, and what that is going to be long term, but if God is calling you into a ministry position, you need to follow God. And that's why we titled the podcast, Follow God Anywhere. You know, Cam and I shared our stories and how God orchestrated our path and how it was uh, a continual uh, steps of faith that ultimately led us together here in Pace. And uh, I think that's what you see in your life is that even as a 14-year-old, you never would have dreamed, I don't think at that point, from what you're saying, it's not like God said, hey, you're going to be a creative arts director and this is your call into full-time ministry. It was just man, this church really needs some help and God's placed a burden on my heart to help them. And you just took a step of faith and followed God and the rest, as they would say, is history. That is it. Yeah, that's that's the key is, is following the burden on your heart, not necessarily fully sitting down and understanding that you're joining ministry. Because I had no idea if you would have said, you're 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 joining ministry. Yeah, I would have been like, no, I'm just playing drums and doing what needs to be done, you know. And that's the biggest thing is starting your journey, starting your journey by just listening and following. Because up until recently, and we'll get to this, I didn't realize that's what I was doing. Yeah, you know, I thought I was just filling needs and doing what I needed to be doing. Um, but that is the that's the first step. Yeah, the first step is just listening and responding. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we had Kanan Wurzelbacher on here 
uh, last year and even younger than that. And he already senses, he doesn't know necessarily what it looks like. I think he thinks he's going to be a pastor, but uh, he was on here and, you know, just even at that young of age, sensing that, that God has placed a calling on your life. And it's, it's like salvation in, in a way. Um, you know, you don't have to understand every single doctrine in Scripture to be saved. You just need to understand what it means to be lost, what Jesus has done to provide salvation, and you need to be willing to surrender your life to him and say, I'm going to live my life for Christ, and I'm going to do things his way, and I'm going to accept God's free gift of salvation. You don't have to have all the answers to be saved. And the same is true when it comes to ministry. You're not going to have all the answers. You're not going to know uh, every single um, aspect of what God is calling you to do. All you need to know is God is calling you into a ministry, and and sometimes you know you realize on the front end that this is a special calling that He's placed on your heart. There's a burden for you to surrender into a full time uh, type of ministry, and sometimes. It's a process where you just take one step of faith after another, and then you get to the point where you realize, okay, God's called me into full-time ministry, but the reality is this is something he's been stirring in my heart for years, and I just didn't realize how he was paving that path. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great that you point that out because there's there's a section I really liked in the book that we're reading through, um, Calling Out the Called, and I know we have just recently started it, but the first two chapters are amazing. So if you guys haven't, haven't gotten a chance to check it out, go ahead and check that out. The second chapter mentions uh, joining ministry is similar to a marriage. So when you first get married, and I'm not married, so I can't exactly speak to this, but I know it's true. I've seen it. Uh, when you first get married, you don't, you're not expected to get married and then all of a sudden be the perfect husband or wife. You're expected to get married become that husband and wife, and then gradually work towards being the best that you already are. So you're already the husband, you're already the wife, you're working towards being better and understanding more about your spouse and being who you're supposed to be as that husband or wife. It's the same thing in ministry, and I'm learning that still, uh, with this being my first year in full-time ministry, that you're not expected to be uh, amazing, you're not expected to understand what exactly it is that you're supposed to be, uh, you know, fulfilling and what exactly uh, your call is, but you are supposed to respond and then take steps to figure out and to grow in your faith. And I think that's huge is that first step, it, because that, a lot of times that's intimidating. That first step is intimidating because you think you need to either commit all or walk away. And if you commit all, you need to have everything figured out. And it's not always the case. And I'm figuring that out pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody has ever followed God to a great height in their journey without taking the first step. You got to take that first step of faith. And um, following God is is something that starts with that first step of faith, but it's a lifelong journey of, of taking steps of faith one after another. Uh, the second thing that I wanted to to just mention and and highlight in your story is that you know you talked about how you ended up at the church where God called you 
um, into to ministry, even though you didn't really understand that's what was happening. He was beginning to prepare your heart for, for where he was ultimately going to lead you. But you said the reason you landed there is because you were ultimately following your parents. And so some might say, well, you know, this is your parents that you're following after. Um, And I think it's just a reminder that God uses all types of different sources to lead us, guide us, and direct us. And, um, you know, your parents were used by God to draw you into this calling that you received, but it was God calling you, not your parents. And God uses a lot of different people in our lives to help pave that path, but it doesn't change the fact that it's God calling us. Now, with that being said, it is possible to follow people and not actually be called by God. And so anybody that feels that they're being called into ministry, I do think it's important to um, you know, reflect in your heart and consider, hey, is this something that, that God has really placed in my heart? Or is this something that I was just told to do by somebody else or you know, my parents? Because even though your parents were used to ultimately put you in the church, what I appreciate about your parents is and I remember having conversations with them and with you, you know, they never told you that you had to do any of that. They allowed God to speak to you and and place that burden on your heart and allowed you to follow God, even though it was ultimately them that made the decision to put you in an environment where you were hearing the gospel and God was speaking to you about what he wanted you to do. It was still your decision to follow him and what that looked like in your life. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that even transitions to our move to Florida. So when I graduated high school, my dad had another job change. And um, since all of that went down, my my dad ended up moving here a couple months before uh, the rest of the family did because we were all trying to finish school. And they made that a priority for us to be able to finish school, especially me my senior year in the same school that I've been in for the last four years. Um, so anyway, my dad was here a little bit earlier than us and he was searching for churches in the area. They knew where they wanted to live and what they, uh, kind of wanted in a church. So my dad got to pick the church. Um, and that's part of my story is that he picked a church that wasn't the culture that I, you know, would have liked in a church. It was kind of for me as, as 18, 19 year old, I was, kind of hoping, okay, good, we get to pick a new church. We get to, we get to pick something f- like super, super, uh, what do you call it? Super developed and, and something that's really engaging and culturally modern. Um, but that is not how it all played out because my dad ended up picking something that he saw. I mean, he was following his guidance and his, uh, his spiritual convictions and he ended up here at Emmanuel. Now there's, there's a difference between the maturity level of a 19-year-old wanting to look for a fun church and a grown man, I don't even know how old he was at that point, wanting to look for something that is going to spiritually pour into his kids and his family. So he ended up picking a church that I had to shift my heart and decide for myself, did I want to, you know, because you're right, they didn't push me and say you had to come with us, but I had to decide for myself, did I want to come and did I want to try it out. 
And uh, so that was another first step for me that I had to take was deciding for myself to join my family and to to um, to trust in my dad's you know judgment of a church that he decided was good for us. Mm-hmm. And so that continues on um, to how I've gotten into the ministry here at Emmanuel. So that's an interesting story. It was since my dad was here earlier than us, he had been putting a bug in people's ear that I could do some tech stuff, that I could drum, that I was an asset in that area. I had no idea he'd been talking to people. <laughs> but <laughs> So you can imagine the surprise when I get here, I visit for the first Sunday. We haven't even joined yet. And I'm approached by the senior pastor and executive uh, director and asked if I wanted a part-time position as the tech director. First Sunday visiting, <laughs> my heart is not in it because I am I am wishing we went to a uh, a more hip church. Yeah. And no, nah, bro, I appreciate you asking, but I'm actually going to be heading down the street <laughs> to yeah. another church. Thank yeah. you, though. <laughs> I'm going up the road. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> so I do think... Now, while the reason I joined and, and accepted that position is not exactly what it should have been, I was 19, and, and I think that's understandable. It was more about the ambition and the the potential that I saw, because I like potential, and I like seeing room for growth. So yeah. it was more exciting to have that opportunity, which pulled me in. And I think that was another thing God placed in my path, because he knew that was my weakness, I would say. Mm. is uh, to see potential and to see the opportunity for growth. And so he used that right off the bat. He didn't let me decide anything else and, and leave on my own. He said, nope, we're, this is where you're going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't exactly the, the same level. Uh, you didn't show up and think, man, this is a dog dying at a cat's funeral. I think I got that backwards. A cat dying at a dog's funeral. <laughs> yep. Um, of course, you didn't show up to Mountain Springs to that either, so I have no idea why that came to my mind. But anyway. I think, I think my parents uh, might have, so <laughs> sorry. Uh, but there was room for growth, and, and you did think, going back to uh, the 14-year-old Braden, man, we need to get in here and, and spice this up a little bit. We need to add some some salt into this uh, church and you know, in, in both cases, you know, let me just say this, uh, the, and, and you said this, the main thing is that the heart of the people was um, geared toward reaching people with the gospel, and the, the message of the gospel was being faithfully proclaimed. And so, in both cases, biblical churches, you know, solid doctrine, teaching people the things that they need to be taught and and wanting to reach people for Christ, just not doing it as effectively as they probably need to be in the community that they're in because they didn't look like the community. That was the yep. big difference. Yep, yep. And especially as the younger generation, it was that's what was difficult about it because not only with the younger generation are you dealing with a different culture, you're also dealing with the different level of maturity. So right. the older generation can set things aside more easily than the younger generation can. Eh, sometimes. Sometimes. As a, <laughs> as a whole. No, I will, I'll backtrack real quick. As a whole. <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. 
the the medians and the and the older generation have a lot more grace sure in life so 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 you start this position you're part-time tech director and uh you have moved on from cabot arkansas and I'm still there. I'm pastoring. I'm trying to figure out what God's doing because now uh, there's a whole different worship dynamic because the uh, the worship pastor that came in and, and basically took it to another level after um, your your brother had stepped back and you had, had moved and, and your family had moved, um, he was being deployed. And, and so there was a lot of things shifting back in Cabot, and then something happened here in Pace. Yep. So it, it really did line up perfectly. But so what, what happened is we were um, trucking along. I'd been working here as a tech director for two years, and then we got a call or we got an uh, announcement on a Sunday morning that our senior pastor was stepping away um, to to fulfill other other needs in his life and um there was a new opening there was some shifting in culture it it all came really fast and uh it kind of left everyone uncertain and on edge um including myself and so that was another point in my walk personally where it was like is this an opportunity you know, not that I was looking for one, but is this the opportunity telling me that I need, you know, this isn't where I'm supposed to be because this isn't taking off how how my vision kind of planned for yeah. it to be. Um, so that ended up, that did end up happening. We we uh, ended up needing a whole pastor search committee. We ended up looking for a new person and ended up getting you, which was a blessing. But in that time, I was stepping away from the part-time ministry, and I was still serving as a as a volunteer on Sunday morning in the in the worship band and such. But um, that role no longer was being fulfilled by myself. So that was one of the times I stepped away from it. Yep. So you stepped away from that, and and you stepped away from ministry altogether for a very short time went out into the secular world, as we would say, and, man, you were making some pretty good money, um, but there wasn't a piece. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Oh, there's a whole lot for that one. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So I, uh, real quick, run through some, I had a couple different jobs that I went through, and all of them I felt like I grew as a person with my uh, work ethic and and skills of managing just tasks and sometimes people uh, everything everything was good on that part but some of those jobs were not environments that I needed to be in and environments that you know were were healthy to me and one of those was uh, the job I, I had I held right before taking the creative arts role and that was driving um, semis for a fleet uh, that was a local fleet of local delivery and that's the one you were mentioning they were paying pretty they're paying pretty good yeah they were dishing out money but um, like I said, the environment just wasn't good. They weren't treating you good. They weren't pouring into you. Obviously, they weren't pouring into you spiritually. Sure, yeah. Um, and then it came to a point where I decided that that job was not for me, specifically that company, because um, of things going on within the company. It was a it was an internal matter. Um, and then I was shifting shifting companies. I was in the middle of. <laughs> two days of unemployment because I had lined up a new job 
with uh, Pepsi right after that because Pepsi is supposed to be the good, the good one in our market. Over yeah, mm-hmm. it's supposed to be the good employer. So I lined one up with a guy that I've been talking to and went in for my interview and got my interview done. Walked out the door and my phone rings. Uh huh. And I answered my phone. It was Cam, our worship pastor, and I mean we were we were close because I had been playing drums on the worship team and. He, I answered the phone and I said, "Hey, I just took a job for Pepsi. Um, only thing is, for the next couple of months, they're going to require me to work on Sundays. Mm. So I was about to be out for three three months, you know. And then that quickly shifted. I think a couple of hours, Cam called me back and said, "Hey, we want to counter that." <laughs> he said, "We want to offer you." a position in ministry when I offer you an opportunity to join full-time ministry here at Emmanuel Baptist Church. And again, I think the same thing that I mentioned before, my ambition and my excitement for it took precedent. And I decided to go with, uh, you know, I had two jobs in my hand. I, I had just signed a contract for Pepsi and then I had this opportunity of ministry, which I had been wanting, you know, I've, there had been times in my life where I've wanted to do kind of a full-time position, a full-time ministry position, but didn't really know what that would look like. So now it's right in front of me. I've got to weigh my choices and it didn't take me long because of my excitement and my ambition. So I decided, let's give it a shot. Let's go into ministry. I don't know how this will look, but let's, let's try it out. Yeah. And what you didn't know and what we didn't know is what God was doing in both situations at the same time, because we didn't realize that that peace was lacking or that there were troubles and and issues that you were dealing with. And you didn't know that God had actually placed a burden on our heart to have a full-time creative arts director position and that the Lord was kind of stirring in our hearts and giving us this vision of what this was going to look like. And so when we came to you, it wasn't a coincidence that it was at the exact time that the Lord had been stirring in your heart saying, hey, there's there's a great financial future here, but you're not going to have joy in this because this is not what I'm calling you into. Yeah. Um, and so we come to you with this offer and it is, as this typically happens in ministry, considerably less than what you were going to be getting in the secular world. And we told you on the front end, hey, look, we realize that, you know, and, and we're limited on what we can do. This is a new position. Uh, we, we have to create a culture that shows why this position is so important and valuable. And we told you that on the front end. And so then at that point, you had to take another what? Step of faith. You had to take another step of faith. A big step of faith. Yeah, and trust that God was going to provide and trust that what we expected would happen would happen, which is what we said, that, hey, look, when we do what we're planning to do, we believe two things are going to happen. One, it's going to create a new level of excitement and energy in the church, which is naturally going to help with the church growth. And two, as the church grows, we will have more resources because we'll have more people uh, investing in the ministry of the church. And so financially, we'll be in a better position to, uh, to be able to get this up to a reasonable amount and, and make a significant step of progress 
on the financial side. And so we all took a step of faith yeah. in January. For sure. And uh, we were able to do exactly what we said we wanted to do uh, for the start of, of this new year. And so I know we're, we're about out of time, but let's talk briefly about what this past year has looked like, kind of now that we've laid that foundation and we've made it to this point where you probably took the biggest leap of faith entering into this new position, a new role in the church, uh, limited resources, but God had given us a vision. We knew what we wanted to see. We knew uh, that he had equipped you. You knew that he had equipped you and called you. And uh, now here we are uh, a year into this looking back and, and seeing what God did. Yeah, for sure. So there was, right off the bat, there was excitement, and there was there was some doubt. No doubt, there was some doubt. So, doubt from you or doubt from others? Doubt, no doubt from me. Okay, doubt, I'm about to say because there's me. always haters out there. There's always going to be doubt from oh, others. No, no, no. I got some support from the staff and from the people. Sure, yeah. Me. I got a lot of support, uh, but there was some doubt in my own mind, um, and and I'll mention wanting to get married was one of my top priorities. Mm -hmm. um, and so that, that was also a setback. And, I, and that's a huge thing for me. I'm a big, uh, big emotional feeler. And I, I always, I love to love people. Yeah. So that was a huge, and I know a lot of people do, but that was a huge thing. And not being able to do that right away because of the financial side, not being able to support that yet was a huge, uh, decision that I had to make. Am I willing to, you know, start this ministry and not jump right into that? And yeah. So that's where the doubt came from. It, it wasn't necessarily doubt that this is going to work out or doubt that the church was, or that doubt that God was going to take care of me. It was more doubt that, you know, am I, can I do this? Sure. <laughs> do I have it in me to do this? So anyway, moving forward, moving right along, we have, we've come a long way and we have uh, really revamped a lot of the things that we're doing here at Emmanuel. And the money slipped to the back of my mind. We've talked to me and myself and Joya have talked and have come up with, you know, we're, we're okay with waiting to get married if that's what we're supposed to be doing. If that's what the, uh, the Lord's calling us to do, then that's what we're going to do. And like you said, it's been provided. Um, resources have been provided when needed. And we, we do feel supported in that. So we are planning to get married soon. And that, that doubt's no longer there. And it shouldn't have been there in the first place. But as a human being, it, it is sure. sometimes. Um, but the position itself has been, has been great for many reasons. Because it's not only allowed me to use my skills, use my, uh, my uh, things that I've got to bring to the church. But it also allows me... It also allows me the opportunity to grow in my own spiritual walk. Um, and, I mean, that's, that's naturally going to come when you're surrounded by all of the uh, ministry leaders in your church every single day. So that, that's another huge thing that I've enjoyed is seeing my own spiritual walk grow this last uh, year. And it's been huge. Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen the church grow, and that's what we expected is, uh, you know, that that 2022 was going to be the year of dynamic growth. And 
whenever I cast that vision at the beginning of the year and said that's what I believe that the the Lord had laid on my heart that uh, we were going to see some great growth and all these exciting things I was thinking specifically you know growth uh, both from a a spiritual perspective um, as a as a church as a whole but growth from a numerical perspective but uh, what you're saying is that that we also grew internally as a staff and you know individually spiritually as leaders in the church and there was a lot of growth that people didn't see of course there's the growth that people saw and this position allowed us to celebrate that growth we got to celebrate it through our IBC stories and through IBC today which is our quarterly newsletter where we celebrate all of the ministries and, and mission initiatives and all of the decisions that are being made as a church. Um, but uh, there was a lot of growth that people didn't see. It truly was the year of dynamic growth. And without this position, um, people wouldn't have seen as much as they did see. But this, even though we can't capture everything, this has allowed us to capture uh, exactly what we said we were going to do. We're going to celebrate what God has done, is doing, and will do, and invite others to join us in that celebration. And and this was a key position to help us be able to do that. And uh, man, you are an extremely valuable asset to the team. I'm so excited, not just to see what God has done through you in 2022, but to, to know that I was a part of that journey from the beginning. I mean, obviously not a part of the first 13 years of your life, but from 14 on uh, the, that I got to see God moving you into ministry. And now we get to work together every day and you get to help me accomplish as, as the pastor what God's laid on my heart in terms of the vision of the church as a whole. And uh, we get to celebrate how God is, is using us in ministry. And I say this all the time, to God be the glory. You know, he could use anybody, but he chooses to use those that he calls into ministry. And uh, every ministry leader has a story of how God orchestrated a path to call them into the ministry they're in. And so thankful that you shared yours with us today. Uh, that's all the time we've got today. And so uh, any last words before we wrap up our milestone episode 75? Milestone 75. Any last words? So last words would probably just be take that first step. If you're, if you're listening and you're, you're sitting on the edge of your seat, not sure what to do, take the first step. Because even if you're 14, even if you're not, even if you're older, you got you to gotta take the first step even if you don't know what's coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Take that first step. Um, that reminds me, and, and you know, this is something that me and Cam do, um, and, and it wouldn't be right to not do it on his birthday. And so uh, that reminds me of a song that I remember singing as a, as a child and as a teenager uh, about taking steps of faith. Let's see if I can find it here. This is for you, Cam. Let's see if this is the right one. If not, nobody else is going to know. So let's uh, let's give it a shot here. 
He gets a birthday wish and a song all in one episode. Yeah, this is not the happy birthday song. This is <laughs> this is something actually that goes along with what you're talking about. Let's see here. Oh yeah. <laughs> Take it back to the nineties. Here we go. Cam thinks he's old. He's 30. <laughs> he ain't that old. He doesn't remember this. Here we go. Sing it, Cam. He probably is, too. <laughs> oh, here it comes, right here. Every step I take, that's it. Nah, 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 nah. All right, enough of that. That's all the time that we've got. That is episode 75. This is Follow You Anywhere. Cam will be back with us in a couple of weeks, uh, and we'll have something fresh and exciting for episode 76. Braden, thanks for joining us. That's great. Thanks and, for having uh, me. And we'll have you back soon. Yep, yep. All right, see ya. 